Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Anton Van Wyck. Thank you for inviting me over and for the privilege to share the word. Uh, we're living in, what should we, what should we call these times? I, I thought of the word interesting. Do you have a better word? Yeah, tumultuous. Wow, that's a great English word. Tum- crazy. <laughs> that's just a good Aussie word, eh? Crazy. Oh, yeah, beginning of <laughs> sorrows, yeah. Um, every, this morning I, I smiled when Julie prayed in her prayer, and she prayed for this upside-down world, how to stay. And my theme today is how do we stay upright in an upside-down world? It's, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? Uh, because everything's shaking and moving. And when you read in Luke chapter 21... <laughs> You get the shaking of the heavens and the shaking of the earth and the ocean. And man, scripture is so accurate, eh? And there I think verse 25 it says, When these things begin to happen, what do you do? Look up. Your redemption is secure. I think of that hymn, you know. We used to sing as children, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than the things this world can afford me. I'd rather have Jesus. So we have this beautiful, amazing celebration of faith in Jesus uh, through the lines of Scripture and meeting together. We encourage each other that Wow, we have a song to sing when it's all dreary and sad and difficult. And it's not unique in history. Throughout Bible history, our earth's history, we've had these epidemics and pandemics and we've had wars and earthquakes and all sorts of things and we will get through because God is there. And as Paul says, even if I lose my life, I count it as gain, like I'm going to be with him quicker. And I worry about, my big worry, to be honest, is maybe a concern, is our young ones. I look at my grandchildren, I look at those perfect little hands, to look at those little toes that sit there like cherry tomatoes, you know, beautifully arranged and I just think what do they still have to go through because this is just the beginning I believe it's the beginning of another storm where the evil one's playing a part and God's allowing it to make us realize that this is not our home we're just traveling through amen and he's got The best is still to come, right? Bigger things are still to come. So what I thought today, just to give you, and I didn't plan and organize it very well the first part, 
But I thought just to give you some strategies how to remain upright in an upside-down world, Julie, as you prayed. How to keep bobbing up. And then maybe to go to Matthew 24, which is a really significant um, chapter in Scripture, which is an apocalyptic chapter, like Daniel and Revelation. It talks about end times, apocalyptic, apocalypse, you know that word. So it's a very special kind of Scripture writing. It's apocalyptic in nature. So we want to look at this, but ultimately... We need to remember that we are hope brokers, right? We're dealing in hope. We are optimistically waking up to each day, not uh, doing it with insincerity. We are touched by what's happening in the world around us, but surfacing in our minds all the time is the fact that nothing can shake or deter His plans and nothing can catch him off guard. Amen? He's fully in control, man. He's fully there. And that's why Jeremiah says, I think it's around chapter 59, a beautiful chapter. My ear is not deaf, and my arm is not short. You read around 58, 59, to 60 and 61, they write beautiful, just beautiful. So man's extremity, man's extremity is God's opportunity, amen? Um, he's just there for us and this world that he's created. Wow, you see the, we, we're thinking of uh, running some depression, anxiety, recover, recovery courses in Capiti where we, we hope to start a new group there. Capity is just this huge exploding area with people, with families, living there, working in Wellington. And what we're picking up is that anxiety and depression is just climbing in these times. People are unsure, they're fearful. And uh, we know the little nursery rhyme we grew up with, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great. But all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't, couldn't put it together again. That's, that's our earthly dilemma, right? That's what we learn from small. It's almost like building a new wall or a new house and Someone comes with graffiti and just tew, breaking the windows, smashing and destroying like a force we cannot control. Nicholas Walterstorff wrote after losing a, a child, there's a hole in the world now, a center of memory and hope and knowledge and affection which once inhabited this earth is gone. He says... I find no answers for my questions. The cry of humanity is before us. Let us be the ones who fill those gaps, right? And not let the evil one and social media fill the gaps for people. Let our voices fill those holes for people. 
You know the Rockefellers in the States, major players in the economic world. David Rockefeller wrote, all we need is the right major crisis and the nations will accept the new world order. Like the platform, the table is being set. One big event. Maybe something in the unfolding at the moment or maybe something that's just on the doorstep. But it will just take one thing for the nations to say, let's get to get one money system, one God, one dictum, one philosophy, one religion, and that will solve the world's problems. Will it? Will it? That's the question. But that's man's way of looking at solving the world's issues. One of my favorite authors writes, um, the work of the people of God is to prepare for the events of the future, which will soon come upon them with what? Blinding force. In the world, gigantic monopolies will be formed. What Rockefeller said is correct. You know, like a few people control so much of the wealth of the world, right? And it's very easy to form these monopolies and then to control events of the world and the thinking. And that's what she said so beautifully. Further, she says, a terrible conflict is before us. The principalities, Ephesians 6, remember, and powers of earth are in bitter revolt against the God of heaven. What do you think all these wars and anxieties are all about? It's really at the base a revolt against God. Nations are angry, right? Nations are agitated. But at the bottom of it, the root of it all is they are in rebellion against the government they cannot bring to fall. They cannot shake its gates and foundations. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 16 that the gates of hell shall not prevail against this rock? I'm establishing my church, he said, and pointing over there where they had the spring uh, that where the Jordan River originated in Caesarea Philippi, one of the most hedonistic areas. He goes there. And on that rock there, he talks to his disciples and he says, I will build and design my church. And he points there to where they worshipped the God of life and fertility. He points there and he says, where the heathen worshipped, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. My church will break through. My character those who believe in me, they will break through. They are filled with hatred against those who serve him. And soon, very soon, will be fought the what? The last battle, good and evil. Right. I love this. and This is all free. Our, our sermon has not even started. So be ready for two o'clock today. Remember in scripture, in Chronicles, it talks about the sons of the tribe of Issachar. Can you remember? And this is what scripture said about them. May we be like them. They had, who had the understanding 
of the times to know what Israel had to do. Special children of Issachar, there of the tribe of Issachar, there were men and women who understood the times and they knew what Israel had to do. Time is always going to be special. And time is always going to be special now. But the most important thing is to know what to do. Right? Where is God directing us? I meet with so many people who are holding back money, don't spend. Holding back, we'll do that next year. Holding back. And you know what we said? This is the time to advance. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the onslaught of God's kingdom. It will not. We will rattle those gates and we will shatter those gates. Because that's what Jesus said. And he's our commander in chief, right? There it is. They understood the times. Critical times. Difficult times. Unprecedented times. But they knew what Israel ought to do. And what do you think they knew? What did they tell Israel to do? Move ahead. Do your mission. Don't go into the bomb shelters because of COVID, man. We had just applied, I told you in Capiti there, we've just applied for $30,000 to run those two workshops this year. And they said, what's your contingency if there's COVID? We said, can we run it online? They said, sure. So we've done the interviews and they've phoned some of our referees in the past week. So we're at the next level. If we get that money and we're going ahead in faith, we want to keep going with the gospel. Right? We don't want to be hunkering down and hiding now. And there it is. My favorite author said, preaching will not do the work that needs to be done. This work cannot be done by, from the pulpit. Sermons will not do it. By visiting people, talking, praying, sympathizing with them, you will win hearts. At the supermarket, that little girl serving you, she's just so afraid. The people at the petrol station, they're nervous and anxious too. The people at the greengrocer, the neighbors, everyone's feeling it. Here we, have, we are catalysts, we are brokers of hope. If you have a mouth, if you have a voice, if you have a garden, someone gave us some beautiful flowers the other day. Man, I think they're dahlias. Big faces like this. I came here the other day. Julie gave me honey. I went to Levin Church. The lady makes soap. They live in the mountains there near Levin. Uh, she made soap and gave everyone soap and little cherry tomatoes. In little packets. This is the time to rise up, right? This is the highest missionary work that you can do. Look out for each other. Touch each other. Here's some just tips to remain upright and then we'll get to Matthew 24. Man, I don't know how we... Can I have a bit of time extra today? Five past twelve? Job says, here's the first one, acquaint yourself with him and be at? Look at that word. 
Acquaint now yourself with Him and be at peace. When you go to bed at night, read to your little children. Tell them Bible stories. Tell them what God is like, what God has done. They will sleep soundly without Ritalin and other medications. They will be just fine. And God said this, acquaint yourself. When the mind dwells upon self, it's turned away from Christ. The source of strength and life. It's Satan's constant effort to keep the attention diverted from the Savior and thus prevent union and communion with God. Break out of this little capsule called, oh, what about me, my entitlements, my rights, my this, and just get into a place where you say, it's not about me. God, let your work begin in my life. Pray. Pray like Benjamin and Rover the dog. Keep praying, right? Talk to God. You don't need to close your eyes. Where you're working, where you're living, pray. There's the third one. So the first one, commune with Him, have a relationship with Him. Second one, use prayer often. Talk to Him. It's good for the soul. It opens the windows when you pray. And the air and the sun comes in and it ventilates your soul. Talk to Him. The third point to stay upright is and keep your rhythm going. I don't like the word balance. Rhythm is better. Keep the rhythm going. Stick together. Right? Stick together. Have you seen those little old finches? Man, you, you get 50 of them in a little cage, but when it's cold, what do they do? You don't know who the boss is there. they just all the same, and they stick together. This picture from Vanuatu, my favorite picture. Just sit in a circle. Our feet are all full of marks and they're all ugly. And we just look at each other. And we stick together, right? The zebras, you know how they defeat the lions? They stick together. The lion gets so confused with all those stripes. And there's so many of them that the lion just gives up. But when one breaks away and starts running, the lion says, oh, I can see that's one. And he goes for it. I've also noticed that baboons eat bananas. They love it, but they never eat them on the bunch. They eat them once they've broken them off. And the devil's the same. Stick together, man. Phone each other, talk to each other, keep in contact with one another, keep the little coals in the fire. Oh, then it doesn't go without a promise. Uh, in John 14, Jesus said, I will send you a what? Another comforter. The Greek word alos should have been heteros. If it was heteros instead of alos, it would have meant a different person. But he's saying, I'm sending you alos paraclete. Another comforter, alos, means exactly like the one you've had. And that's Jesus. I'm leaving, but I'm sending you someone who will comfort you. And that one is Alos, just like me. Amazing. The support that he's going to give us. I'm going to skip this one a little bit. And then we're going to go Matthew 24. Now, 
I've done it before and I know most of you were sleeping. So don't sleep again. Otherwise I'll do it again. The third time. When you open a peach or an apricot or most other fruits and veggies, what do you get in the center? Seed, right? You get something there. When you start taking the peels or the layers off the onion, what do you find when you do the last two? Is there something there? You'll get burning eyes, right? That you will cry for sure. But have you noticed when you get to the end, there's nothing. For many in the world today, they're in the onion experience. They trust economical predictions, they trust politicians, they trust this, and they come up with, but it's empty in the middle. There's nothing. So for five minutes, that might be prophetic, it could be ten, could we do Matthew 24 together? So turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, to Matthew 24, and we'll see if there's some onion peeling going on there. We'll do a quick um, study there. Just a portrait. Tell me, Matthew 24, 25, is this at the beginning of Jesus' ministry or is it getting towards the end? What would you say? Towards the end, Henry. You're right. It's now the wrap-up phase, right? He, what he says now is so important because this is the transition from him going away and things changing on Calvary's hill there and big things happening in the world. In fact, what is waiting for the mighty city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city of peace, is total destruction. Who can tell me what happened 70 years after Jesus. What happened to Jerusalem? Anyone tell me? The Romans came. And what did the Romans do? They destroyed the temple. Then they put fire to it. And the gold from the furnishings was melting into the foundation stones. How can it be? Not the temple. Not Jerusalem. And what Jesus is doing, we call it in theology a dualism. He's looking at Jerusalem. And like I'm looking at the door, but when I look out the door, I'm looking at the houses further away and maybe the hills. He's looking at Jerusalem, but he's also looking at the end of the world. He's merging those two together. And it's not uncommon in prophecy. What we're facing at the moment, but I'm also looking at what's coming at the end of time. And here they are, walking close to the temple. Tell me, was the temple beautiful? What do you say? Was the temple a beautiful building? Herod, to please the Jews, 
had been building on this thing for 40 years. The pillars were of gold or marble entwined with gold vines, to say it correctly. It would glimmer and shine in the rising sun and the setting sun. It was the heart of their social life, their religious life, their political life. That's where you could call it the patriotic, patriotic spot of the Jews. That was everything to them. In fact, I could say this. That place was the total makeup of our, their identity. We have a temple. We have something. God has given that to us. And they're walking past there. And you know, I can imagine the disciples touching the pillars and the gold vines. And they say to Jesus, look at this. What did Jesus say in response? Not one stone will be left upon each other. What if I tell you, if you come back next week, there'll be a pile of rubble here. You'll think, this man is crazy. What if I told you all Christian churches will be closed down next week? What would I be telling you, what's saying to you? How would you feel if I say you'll be running for your life next week? And some enemy's going to come and Invade us. Their glory, their pride is going to be a pile of rubble. Is that what he says? And then they must have stopped him and just sat down in shock. And they go further and they say, when and how will this be? And look what Jesus does. We're going to go quickly now. Jesus does the amazing thing. You know what he does? He peels the onion. He peels the onion. And this is what he does. His strategy. Look at this. He says, the political order will collapse. Now, they're going to lose the temple. That's bad. Right? No place to go to. No place to sacrifice. No place to socialize. It will be gone. He, a pile of rubble. But then he takes away... Not only the temple, but he says the political order is going to collapse. My friends, it has to happen. We can't avoid it. It's part of the coming to a head of this old earth sick history. You cannot go hide on an island. You cannot get away from it. That's why many elderly people say to me, Pastor, I don't want to go through these bad times. My mom's 91. I, I don't understand COVID. I gave her a cell phone to talk to me, and when she texts me, it's all Chinese. I don't know what button she presses. We can't communicate. I've got to phone her. She's stressed out and worried. Everything's getting expensive. Someone told me a head of broccoli was costing $11 somewhere in Auckland. 
Isn't that enough to make you fall over? He's taken the temple away and now he says the political order is going to collapse. You read it very carefully. For nation will rise against nation. Uh, interesting, the Greek word there is ethnos. And that nation actually means ethnicities. What's happening in Russia? Family fighting family. They're from the same country, really, just different groupings or ethnicities. Different ethnicities are fighting. Wars and rumors of wars. Is there any stability in the political order? He's taking the onion peels off, like I take my jacket off, then I take my shirt off. I stop there, but see what he's doing? Is there going to be something left in the middle? He carries on, and then we talk about the wars. You know, in 2015, I read this. For the most part, it has been a dispiriting year, 2015. Conflict is again on the rise after a major decrease following the end of the Cold War. Today's wars kill and displace more people and are harder to end than in the years past. Ten wars in, in 2015. And we've seen the pictures. And we've seen the displacement. But he doesn't stop there. He takes another lot of skin from the onion. And he said, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And these are the what? The beginning. The beginning. Still going to get worse. But he's the one who said, I will be with you. I will strengthen. There we see all those lights there. Uh, some people get this little app on their phone and continuously, like 600 times a day, there are tremblings and earthquakes and things happening. Uh, 50 big major earthquakes, I think over three, happening around the world each day. And uh, we're running out of water. I mean, Bunky Moon, United Nations says, fresh water supply, water quality under pressure. The, and Romans said, the whole earth groaneth and travaileth, right? Uh, the whole natural order. Poor nutrition causes nearly half of death in children under five. 3.1 million each year, man. I've seen them in Africa. I've seen them with the swollen bellies and, and arms and legs like broomsticks. I've seen it. They're so sick they don't even feel hungry anymore. And that's how it goes. But then he doesn't stop. He continues and he says, Many false prophets will arise and deceive many. The false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. The religious order is not something you can rely on anymore. So it's the temple's going to go. The political order is going to go. The natural order is going to collapse. It takes another layer off. The religious order. Who can you believe? Who can you trust? Where is truth? That's all going to go. But is there something in the onion? It doesn't stop. And because lawlessness abound, the love of many will grow cold. What else will collapse? The social order. 
people leaving children in a hot car in Gisborne to go and gamble. When you go with us on prison ministry, you hear stories that make your hair stand straight up. Why are you here? They show you burn marks of how they were burned with cigarette. Abuse, neglected. All demographics. All ethnicities. He says the social order will break down completely. What do you think now? What's in the onion? He stripped down everything. And there before them lies the last two pills. There's nothing in the center. God, how can you do that? How can you take our temple and the natural order, political order, religious order? How can society fall apart? That's what you're telling us? Guess what? Two words. Incredible. But then. How do you like those words? But then. That little word, but then. Look at this. I'll just move on. Matthew 24, around verse 30, verse 31, it says, But then you will see something. What will you see? The sign of the Son of Man appearing in the sky. I'm a little bit sad to tell you today there's no hope for us on this earth other than to tell those around us that Jesus is on his way. And you know what it says in Matthew 24, 30, 31 there. He's coming with great power and with glory. Wow. He's coming with the rumblings, the trumpet sounding, the shakings that will surpass everything that's happening on the earth, so glorious it will be. It will come, it will come. The Negro spiritual says, ride forth, King Jesus, ride forth, open the gates. Let the King come in, open, open. Come in. Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as a baby. When the fullness of time comes for this earth, Jesus will come in the clouds of heaven. Is there anyone here who would like to read for me Matthew 24, those verses, but then, I think it's 29, 30, around there, 31. Is there anyone? Is it 30, Julie? Let them just find it and then we will read it together. Because that is so significant, man. What is left for this earth? Nothing but the coming in great power and glory. Wow, it's going to shake the earth. In fact, Scripture says there will be lightnings from the east to the west. It will be so powerful when He comes that graves will open. Open. 
and the dead will hear it. 1 Thessalonians 4, you know those scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, you know that. Matthew 24, you know what will truly unite this world is when they see Jesus coming in power and glory and all the nations will see him. Acts says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess we were wrong. Let me ask you this. Do you believe Jesus came to this earth as a baby? If you believe that, then you better also believe that soon, very soon, the other part of that prophecy will be fulfilled. Yeah, look what Peter says, knowing that there shall be many in the last days who say, when is the promise? For since the fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And Peter then says, God is not slack according to his promise. But the day of the Lord, what? Will come. When the world is going its normal way, he will come. In the which the heaven shall pass away with what? And the elements with what? Fervent heat. The earth and also the works that are therein shall be burnt up when he comes and takes his children. He's going to make this earth new. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. When the little grandchildren come my way, I keep telling them, your best friend is Jesus. Because the next ruler of this world is not Russia. It's that king who's coming. And it's not Mohammedanism and it's not any other religion and philosophy and ideology. And it's not Mr. Moon in New York City or the Pope somewhere. And it's not some guru or some Jewish sect. And we don't have to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. The next thing is when we have all this stuff collapsing and it has to happen. The reason we still have time is so we can tell others and give the positive vibe, the positive tune in the symphony of this world that he is coming. What do you want to leave your children? Boy, I've worked hard. I thought, oh, I can leave them a car, maybe a bicycle. Maybe, what can I leave them? What if I can plant in their hearts the seed that there is someone who loves them and is on his knees pleading with them? He's made a covenant and he's a keeper of his words that soon and very soon we will see the king. Soon and very soon. Now I know what you're going to ask me. What if it's still another hundred years? Will it be next year? Did you notice what the disciples asked him? When will this be? Did Jesus answer them? It's not when setting dates, that sort of thing. Be very 
careful what Jesus answered them when they asked him when. He just said, these things will happen. And you just be connected to me because the onion has been peeled and there's nothing left. And all you have is to connect with my promises. And the fact that I will come in great power and glory that will shake the earth. For some of my friends are very good at setting dates. Don't fall for that. When you walk out here today, just make sure your date with him. Not the date of the end of the world. But your date with him is in place. Amen. God bless you. This message was made available by the Masterton Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit mastertonsta.nz. Rock of Ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in Thee Let the water and the blood From Thy wounded side which flowed Be of sin the double cure Save from wrath and make me pure Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring Simply to thy cross I cling Naked come to thee for dress Helpless look to thee for rest Foul I to the fountain fly Wash me, Savior, or I die While I draw this fleeting breath When my eyes shall close in death When I soar to worlds unknown See thee on thy judgment throne Rock of ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in thee That was Rock of Ages by Michael Lining. Up next, the Hawks Trio will sing The Story That Lives. It's 
our series, You're Not Alone, in which Alan Sonter, for many years a missionary educator in the islands of the South Pacific, tells stories that help us to know that God is always watching over us, wherever we are. This episode is entitled, God Sent a Taxi and Out of the Jungle. It was another wet morning in Apia, capital of Western Samoa. Not that a wet morning is unusual in that part of the world where it seems there are just two seasons, wet and wetter. I'd been trying for a couple of days to make an appointment with the head of the Western Samoa campus of the University of the South Pacific. The campus was situated at Alafua, about six kilometres from where I was staying near Apia. I'd been told by the principal secretary that she would phone and let me know when he could see me, but had heard nothing from her. It was about quarter to nine on that wet morning when the phone rang. I picked up the receiver and heard the voice of the secretary. After a brief introduction, she said, Dr. Went can see you in his office at nine o'clock. I'm sorry for the short notice, but I've only just managed to arrange a time. Can you make it by nine? I thought quickly. If I wanted to see Dr. Wend during this visit to Samora, it would have to be now, as I was scheduled to leave Samora within a day or so. Thank you for your help, I replied. I'll try to make it. As I put down the receiver, I wondered what might be the best way to get transport at such short notice. A quick call to the taxi company confirmed what I had feared. Because of the rain, everybody wanted taxis, so there were none immediately available. As usual, I turned to God for a solution to the problem. Lord, I prayed, you know the situation and you can do anything. If you want me to meet this man, would you please make it possible for me to be there by nine o'clock? I felt impressed to put on my raincoat, go out to the road and start walking toward Alafua. I'd walked perhaps 50 metres when a large American car, I think it was a Chevy, pulled up beside me. The window rolled down and a woman called, Would you like a lift to town? She was a businesswoman whom I had met briefly and she was obviously driving from her home to her place of business in downtown Apia, near the waterfront. Thank you for your offer, I responded. It's very kind of you, but I'm not going downtown. I'm headed for the university campus at Alafua. Oh, that's all right, answered the helpful lady. I can take you to Alafua. I'm not in a hurry to get to the office this morning. Are you sure it's no problem, I asked, and she assured me that she was happy to help. I appreciate that very much, as I have an appointment with Dr. Wynn at nine o'clock. 
Within a few moments, I was sitting in comfort, well, actually in some luxury, as the big car glided smoothly over the uneven surface of the road. I tried to get a taxi, I began, but with the rain, there were no cars available at short notice. I didn't know how I would get to Alafua. It's really good of you to take me. My benefactor seemed happy to continue the conversation. As you know, she said, when you come down the hill from my home, you reach that intersection back there and you can either go straight down to the waterfront or you can come this way and turn down to the waterfront further along. I usually take the direct road, but somehow this morning I just felt impressed to turn at the intersection and come this way. I believe I know why you were impressed to come this way, I ventured. At about the time you were coming down the hill, I was asking God to help me to get to Alafua. I'm surely grateful that you followed that impression, and the kind lady nodded her agreement. So I arrived on time for my appointment because God sent a taxi, and it was free and better than any of the ones that charged fares. Our second story happened on the island of Savai'i, the largest and most westerly of the Samoan Islands. It was back in the 1960s when roads in some parts of the island were little more than a set of wheel tracks through the jungle, with tall trees and vines almost meeting overhead. There was such an area in the northwest where the road went through thick jungle for quite a few miles without passing through any villages. My work took me around the island by Land Rover every month or so, and on one occasion I was with a friend out in the jungle in one of the most remote parts of the island, when without warning, the Land Rover engine suddenly died. It didn't cough or splutter, it just stopped dead. Now I'm not a mechanic by trade, but I've had a bit to do with engines over the years, and I figured that a sudden stop like that sounded more like an electrical problem than a fuel problem. The Land Rover was old and tired, and a succession of troubles had dogged it over the preceding months. It didn't belong to me, but to a Samoan colleague who used it most of the time. He was happy for me to keep it going for him in return for my using it from time to time. Its most serious trouble had been a fire that burned out the wiring system in the engine compartment. A leaking fuel line connected to the carburetor dripped petrol down near the end of the electrical generator where the sparks from the commutator were just waiting to set the petrol alight. I had seen the danger and asked the owner not to use the vehicle until I had time to fix the leak, but he didn't realise the danger, so he took a friend on a visit to another village. Unfortunately for both of them, the inevitable happened. As they were driving along, the driver was shocked to see flames coming out of holes in the dashboard. The shock completely unnerved him, so he let the Land Rover slow down a little and then opened the door and jumped out, leaving the vehicle to its own devices. Fortunately, his passenger had the presence of mind to reach over and switch off the engine before he too jumped to safety. The Land Rover careered off the road into a ditch and came to rest with smoke flames billowing out of the engine compartment. Fortunately, nothing exploded and the passenger managed to put out the fire, but not before everything burnable around the engine had been consumed. It was some time before the complete rewire and other repairs made the vehicle usable again. 
And now we were out in the middle of nowhere with a dead engine. I have a kind of motto developed over many experiences with the Lord that says, what someone else can make, the Lord and I can fix. I'm sure that motto is not appropriate for everything man makes, but it did apply remarkably often to old-type vehicles before the days of computer-controlled systems. So I prayed, Lord, you know what's wrong with this engine. Please show me what the problem is. Immediately, God seemed to say to me, start by opening the distributor. So I unclipped the distributor cap and moved it aside. Then God said, look at the cam on the center shaft and the small heel on the end of the spring that rides on the cam and is pushed in and out as the cam turns. It is this movement of the heel that creates the spark in the spark plugs to burn the petrol. I was surprised to see that the heel was not tied up against the cam, but had stayed out where the highest point of the cam had pushed it. The spring had lost its tension, so it did not keep the heel against the cam. I quickly removed the spring and bent it to increase its pressure against the cam. Then replaced it and the distributor cap and the engine sprang to life with the first press of the starter button. I thanked God for showing me so quickly what the trouble was, as it could have taken a long time to find such an unusual problem. Because of God's help, we were on our way out of the jungle in just a few minutes. It's true, my friend. Whoever or wherever you are right now, you're not alone. God is just a prayer away, and he is waiting for us to realize our need of him and call to him for help. You've been listening to our series, You're Not Alone. Stories told by Alan Sonter that help us to know that God is always watching over us, wherever we are. If you have any comments or questions, send an email to radio at 3avianaustralia.org.au or give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456. May God bless you. And remember, you are not alone. You have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.